Good evening, everyone. It's an honor to be here. And thank you very much for your invitation, kind invitation. I'll ask for questions tonight, but um, I have to say that the occasion of this invitation by this uh, young couple of our community uh, <laughs> reminds me of many years ago um, in Los Angeles where I was living uh, about a block from the temple in an apartment that the temple was um, supplying for me and my wife who was, I believe, uh, pregnant at the time. And um, we had come to Los Angeles after joining in the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, a traveling uh, group of devotees who had tried to open a preaching center there. And um, after a few months, Prabhupada came again to America in Los Angeles, so we went there, and then Prabhupada didn't allow us to go back because um, my wife was uh, uh, pregnant at a certain stage. So at any rate, we were staying in Los Angeles, and I didn't know um, really... Uh, I didn't have any particular service other than to be go out as I was in Santa Cruz, inspired and distribute books to people, magazines and books and so forth. So that's what I was doing, and it seemed to be um, pleasing to the temple authorities who, um, f from the money that I raised, uh, they would pay for the apartment, I guess it was. So at any rate, there I was living in this apartment about a block from the temple, and coming to the, all the programs and everything. And uh, I had this uh, ambition to invite Prabhupada over to my house for a program. <laughs> because, you know, I had read about, you know, that householders are supposed to do that and so forth. And so I kind of fantasized about it. And uh, I was quite convinced that Prabhupada would, you know, would accept my offer because it was sincere and genuine. And, and But I was very much dismissed by the others, elders, from making such a, a request. Uh, so I didn't believe them that Prabhupada wouldn't accept it, but I didn't um, pursue it nonetheless, not wanting to um, threaten my situation there, perhaps, <laughs> although it was probably not under threat. Uh, they saw me as a, as a good contribu contributor. But... Um, I regretted it afterwards. Uh, I think about it from time to time, and this invitation reminded me of that. I thought, why wouldn't he come? You know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> again, I appreciate the, the invitation. So, um, any questions tonight from anybody? Yes, Mati. Well, you don't have to. Oh, I know. 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 I and I think it was introduced by Prabhupada. Yeah, 
But the prayer that Prabhupada introduced for, or the song, for singing to Tulsi, as he arranged it while performing Aratik, it was a very, actually a very high prayer in its aspirations. It addresses Tulsi as, as Brinda Devi, the, uh, the kind of forest gopi who represents the forest of Vrindavan. And um, the prayer is an, an aspiration uh, petition, petitioning her to become a maidservant of Radha, so it's quite a high mm-hmm. prayer. We probably didn't explain it like that to us. And I don't think too many devotees were thinking that, contemplating that while, while singing it, but that is um, what it's about. Mm-hmm. Whereas, the, by contrast, the prayer for circumambulation is at not even a Vaidhi Bhakti prayer. Mm-hmm. So Rag Bhakti, in the highest uh, uh, sense, is aimed at becoming a handmaiden of Radha. Sometimes it's called Manjari Bhava because the um, the um, Manjari is the blossom, and um, it's you know if you water the the, the plant, the blossom <laughs> blossoms. So so. Um, the, the blossoming of the, uh, the manjari is a sign of the health of the of the Tulsi tree. So, I believe Krishnadas makes an analogy of, uh, with regard to either Tulsi tree or, or a vine, hmm, perhaps a vine. Now that I think about it, wrapped around a tamal tree, Krishna. And, uh, if the trees please, the leaves are pleased, or something. Anyway, so the many way, but the. Uh, it's it's a high uh, ideal, and um, again by contrast, uh, Vaidhi Bhakti then is a type of Bhakti as you know that's motivated by the Aishwarya of Bhagavan and the duty to do the right thing and serve Him and to not do things that are um, Uh, contrary to service uh, to him, to loving him, as described in in the scriptures. Um, so there are two different dimensions. They have two different priorities, results, goals, uh, reverential love on the latter hand, and on the former, uh, love and intimacy in the highest um, reach of that love and intimacy. But the prayer for circumambulating, um, speaks about the virtues of circumambulating Tulsi being such that when it become, can become freed from sins, I think. The sin of, even the sin of killing a Brahmin. So, if we what? We sang the English, how strange it would be. Jani Kani Chapapani Brahmahatyam. So, uh, you know, within the Varnashram, then the killing of a Brahmin is a pretty, pretty bad 
sin. They're they're most highly regarded. They're the religious leaders of the religious rituals that in the entirety of a householder's life is is colored by and so forth. Whether it be conceiving a child, naming the naming the child at birth. Uh, um, giving the child his first grains and so on and so forth and the Brahminical priest is brought in to oversee all such rituals and make auspiciousness and so forth and, and bring our humanness uh, harness our humanness and and, and um, religiously right so within all that that is pop and punya that is that is impious and pious the killing of the Brahmin that's Pretty high up there on on the uh, impiety uh, scale, but as you know, bhakti transcends piety and impiety. So a goal to become free from the, the, the killing sin of, sins of the killing of a brahman is is far far lower than the goal of attaining bhakti in praying for Narayan in uh, reverential love. What to speak of attaining uh, the service of, of Sri, Sri Radha in Braj. So there's a kind of a disconnect um, which uh, speaks to us a little bit about the fact that, that, that Prabhupada was not specifically uh, focused on giving us uh, an, a, a liturgy and uh, prayers, kirtan that was honed and f- focused on a particular bhava or even on um, um, it was more broad, I want to say, and therefore he was willing, for example, even to install sitaram deities on on some altars and. Uh, and if people were of Ram Bhaktas were in the vicinity and so forth, um, and sometimes he would speak as broadly as any name of God, and he should should chant and so forth. Uh, um, not that he wasn't uh, deep in his own orientation, and not that that didn't, um, uh, not that that wasn't transmitted subtly through everything he did. It certainly was. Um, but at the same time, his focus was more broad for bringing more and more people in to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He spoke about some things briefly, um, in shorthand, so to speak. Everything's in his book, some of the things in shorthand. Uh, more details are referred to, you know, to, other texts are referred to, and so forth. Um, so, uh, I don't think that he put a lot of thought into it. I mean, other things were there, like he named the deities in Los Angeles, Rukmini and Dwarkadish, in Delhi he named them Radhapartha Sarathi. So someone with a more focused kind of rag bhakti, smaller group where you can do that and hone the practices and the liturgy, all to be focused in a particular, um, towards a particular ideal, seeing that might um, address it and think, what's this Radha Parthasarathy, you know, uh, 
Where's Radha, you know, on the battlefield of Kurukshetra? Hmm? Um, Rukmini and Dwarkadish. Dwarkadish doesn't have a flute, he's in Dwarka. Uh, what to speak of Radha Londonishwar, which probably think named the deities in London. Um, so those are valid uh, things to raise from one who is has a smaller group and is, is trying to f- focus it um, uh, more 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 precisely. At the same time, um, you know, let's take the extreme example. I think I've mentioned this before. Of the three that I names of deities that I mentioned, Radha Londonishwar. I think it applies to some extent in other places as well. The proper name deities, but uh, you know, Radha and the and the king, you know, the ruler of England, you know, and Krishna's named. It's not that Krishna's not, but Krishna's in Braj. He's in love with Radha. I mean, you know, he's not even the ruler of the world. That's his Paramatma feature. You understand the point, right? But at the same time, Prem, Prem Bhakti is is characterized by uh, what Rupa Goswami says, among other things, a sense of possessiveness, my-ness. He is mine. He belongs to us. He's ours. Hmm? And so you could argue that without even perhaps thinking about it, so to speak, per se, um, naming the deities Radha London Ishwar hmm? and Paris Ishwar, Radha, Radha Paris Ishwar, he's letting the Parisians say he's ours. Hmm? He's our Krishna. He's a Frenchman here, something like that. And uh, so there, there, there's ways we could try to harmonize it. But besides that, as I say, his own uh, depth of Rag Bhakti um, while while not um, while keeping a lid on it to a large extent and um, and focusing more broadly on outreach nonetheless came through and so as I've said before if you if I was to start talking to some of Prabhupada almost any of Prabhupada's disciples about Vaikuntha and what it's like there and go into detail, they would start to feel like that's not what I was interested in. That, that, that. So somehow, without thinking about it, they developed some scar for, for Brajabhakti, for Vrindavan. That's their orientation. Even though they may not be focused on how to go there, they've got some scars for that. Hmm? So... The depth of Prabhupada's bhakti was shared at the same time that he was focused on the breadth of expansion. And of course, he, in that regard, left some work for us to do out of his infinite mercy. Once, as I've mentioned before, Prabhupada was asked by Vishnu John Swami, my godbrother, that Prabhupada Bhakti Vinod Thakur had said, I left this world, my work undone. What did he mean? And Prabhupada said, Bhakti Vinod could have done everything, but it is his mercy. He left some service for us to do. 
So, after Prabhupada departed from the world, and he instructed us that for philosophy we could take, or siksha, we could take uh, the um, shelter of uh, Pujapat Sridharmarsh, who we, we considered his own siksha guru, um, then uh, he advised me, asked me really to, to, to do what Prabhupada called boil the milk. He called it relief work because um, the, the group was in need of some relief. Mm-hmm. Um, they, were, they were difficult times, troublesome times after Prabhupada left, kind of tumultuous. Um, and, but in the context of doing relief work, what we're really doing is we're speaking to devotees who were not learning about vegetarianism and reincarnation, which are some of the earlier themes that could, you know, you could speak on for hours and uh, to new people and so forth, but it requires to speak on um, in more depth, right? Mm-hmm. So relief, relief work is, is, is boiling the milk. The boiling the milk means it becomes thicker and thicker and and it's not at the the boiling is not at the cost of its distribution. It will overflow in due course and and have more more power, right? Mm-hmm. Be thicker, more condensed, more condensed, mm-hmm. sweeter, sweeter. There you go. So um, uh, so some will make the argument, for example. Prabhupada gave this Tulsi song, it's about Manjari Bhav, so obviously he was in Manjari Bhav. Hmm? Someone may make an argument like that. We could turn around and say, well, Prabhupada gave the circumambulate Tulsi, and it's about Varnashram, <laughs> you know, not killing Brahmins, and, and, and so forth. So I think if you put these two things together, it's apparent that he, he wasn't, he was taking a prayer here and they heard the prayer they used to sing this in Vrindavan put it together give it to us and meanwhile I've got to write a Bhagavatam commentary here you know Chaitanya Charitamrita commentary and a Gita and, and if you ever get money print books and sell the marbles in the temples print books it was uh, what Bhakti Siddhanta told him you, you, you could do it's interesting that Saraswati Thakur would say that because Saraswati Thakur was was the really the first person in in modern times and for centuries to begin institutionalized Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which we were talking about the other night in a hard way, in a, in a more structured way, I should say, than the institutionalization that that that, that writing literature uh, constitutes, with buildings and then all that has to go on with that and so forth. Yes, it was done by the Goswamis. But they were, uh, the kings were patronizing them and funding and uh, uh, and so forth. Um, Bhakti Siddhanta Sosutaka sent his men out to the train stations and door to door to raise money to build temples. And in fact, his brother, younger brother Leet Prashad, said he has left the Rag Mark while he's building these big temples. Hmm? So it wasn't characteristic in the mission. In the in the Sampradaya, to build big temples, it would be more like, yeah, in South India they build these huge monstrous temples. Of course, Rupa built a temple, right? Madan Mohan 
build a temple for Sanatana, <laughs> and uh, and and so on. Radharman has a nice, a nice temple. But again, the, this was a time when the kings were patronized in the Goswamis, and it was in the Dham and, and so forth. He was going outside of the Dham and he opened 64 mots, um, you know, around around India, and then off off to England. So Lee Prashad said, "Oh, he's left the Rod Marg." It was one of his um, complaints about his uh, his brother. They had some differences, um, and tr- but it just it, it's it's again it speaks to the the um, innovation and a departure from what was more standard and to be expected at the time in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Bhaktivinoda, by contrast, had a Nam Hut program where we'd go and the villages and encourage people to chant in their homes and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, as I mentioned, it's interesting to note that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka, I might have mentioned this the other day, himself criticized his own attempt hmm, to uh, build such an institution and so forth. And I think he told Prabhupada, even at Radhakun, that, and we've built this Bog Bazaar marble temple and they're fighting over who's, who will sit and who will stay in which room. So what is the use of it? Better we sell the marbles, he said, and print books. Hmm. When um, in the in the what was called New Dwarka in Los Angeles by Prabhupada, which is again, you know, that was his metropolitan headquarters. So anyway, um, he uh, uh, originally the temple, Krishna uh, you'll probably remember, and some others, was in was in this kind of center of this little church that we had on. Um, Venice Boulevard, Watseka, right up at Venice Boulevard. And then there was a separate auditorium. So the temple, if you were to walk in, you'd walk in the center and there'd be a door and there'd be the temple. And on the left was this larger uh, gathering room, which was quite a bit bigger than, 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 than the temple room. And sometimes for the Sunday feasts, uh, I think there were pews in that it was an old church, an old chapel, so there were pews in there. So the Sunday feast would be held in there because more people could be seated or, or whatnot. I remember Karunda sometimes would stand at, a, at, the, po- at a, the podium, you know, up there, or whatever, the, the, pul- the pulpit, and, and give these wordy lectures. He used to read the dictionary. It was his habit to increase his vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was a good speaker at the time. At any rate, at a certain point... Um, in the early uh, 70s, early to mid-70s, the person in, who was uh, in charge of the temple, he converted the larger uh, chapel into the temple at quite an expense. And his idea was to do a museum of dioramas of Krishna Leela and so forth in the old temple room. So people would come to go on the tour, see the dioramas, this Leela means this, this Leela means that, and then there was the temple and it was bigger and so forth. And um, he spent a lot of money on it. Hmm? He did a nice job, actually. So when Prabhupada arrived for that, 
Um, then he was greeted when he sat and gave a lecture. And he said, and so, what is the need of building temples? And my Guru Murray said, if you ever get money, print books. And he, you know, he, he didn't also like this, uh, he thought his American disciples were um, prone to changing things all the time. Constantly want to change things. Um, upgrade it, you know. Probably was more, if it's broken, not broken, don't fix it. You know, kind of a thing. Um, you probably saw that as you know, over over influence of Rajaguna, keep improving things. Uh, uh, I guess he was a little more wabi sabi, if you will. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, to use the Japanese term, but uh, uh, so it was a bit of a bombshell of of a lecture. I mean, ultimately he accepted the service and so forth, but. Um, uh, he wasn't. He wasn't that pleased when he said it publicly in a somewhat covert way, but not that covert. Uh, so we find this uh, criticism of the institution, all it takes to build such buildings and so forth, from Bhakti Siddhanta himself, and somewhat from Prabhupada, even in the midst of of, of doing that. Hmm? Um, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting to note. Narayan Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj was uh, was uh, fond of saying that if the temple gets in the way of your bhajan, you should burn it down, make a make a agni hotra, and burn the temple down. Hmm? Um, so can be a little dynamic, right? Um, but at any rate. The point of being, again, in terms of the broad outreach of Prabhupada, he also was concerned with boiling the milk. I was told by Atritananda Maharaj that he was present when Prabhupada signed the corporate papers for the forming of ISKCON, after which Prabhupada said, and so now we are forming this organization, but if it gets in the way of Krishna consciousness, then we will throw it out and retire it and start all over again, something like that. So you have to have a little focus on what the purpose is and, and, and uh, our institutionalization, organization for what, right? Unity for what? Hmm? This was a comment that uh, Sridhar Maharaj voice that was very powerful because some of the ISKCON leaders were clamoring for unity hmm? and some of the lack of unity was that they were they were creating by, by not... Um, being able to sufficiently nourish hmm, the uh, students, or some of them were getting some nourishment from from Sridhar Maharaj, and so they emphasized that, that Prabhupada wanted unity. He said, "That's fine. Unity for what? Hmm? For Krishna consciousness. Right? Otherwise, what's the value? There are many, many unified forces in the world. Right? Hmm. So, um, at any rate, Prabhupada's focus was." Was um, was broad, <clears throat> and but we shouldn't get lost on that in that, which happens. I've seen that it gets lost on the broadness of it, and at the cost of one's practice. And I was never ever like that. And Prabhupada told in the very beginning when I was first um, pointed out to him as being uh, somewhat of a 
major contributor to his desire of seeing books distributed. When there was, a, we distributed a whole bunch of books in a short period of time, and my God, Brother Ramasar wrote to Prabhupada and, and mentioned me there. And so Prabhupada wrote back, it's very nice that Tripuridas is selling so many books. Right? That's the typewritten letter. And then he had this asterisk after that, and he wrote in his own handwriting, make sure he's reading them also. So I I, I was. I, I used to, My favorite thing was always the Bhagavatam class. That was my favorite thing. I'd come and hear the class. What's next? What'll happen next? You know, all these books, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, coming from beyond the mind and, uh, and beyond time and space, a realm you know, of uh, where, any, where anything's possible. So it's very exciting for me to come to the Bhagavatam class. Um, uh, so, and we have a smaller um, mission, and um, we do. Oh, I should say also, with regard to your question, that uh, Bhakti Siddhanta he instituted instituted a different song for the Tulsi Arctic, which was a Vaidhi Bhakti song. What is that song? Tulasi Maharani Gubinde Mara Anyway, it's a Vaidhi Bhakti song. It's about Tulsi and Shaligram and so forth. And he didn't allow his disciples to chant the other Ragmark song. Hmm? Hmm? So he didn't want them to get artificially and superficially um, involved in Ragmarg. Hmm? Um, but to become uh, to, 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 to his idea was to worship those in the Ragmarg, glorify the Ragmarg by preaching, and then that Ragmarg would descend and Sarup Shakti of its own and so forth, rather than trying to ascend there, so to speak. So he, he was strong on this point because many people were um, kind of in his estimation imitating Ragmarg and giving it a bad name, so to speak. So, um, anyway, so Prabhupada picked out one song, another song, and and uh, and so on. We we're at the liberty then to pick out songs. We have a smaller group, so we could we could we could hone the songs, perhaps. Um, uh, you might have noticed that I did adjust a line in the Ragmarg song that made it a little more general. What did we say? We prayed for, for Gurung, service of, of Gurunga and to become a resident of Braj instead of becoming a Saki. Hmm? Um, so it, it it's, makes it a little broader, even while focusing on the Ragmarg. It brings Mahaprabhu into the picture and, um, and uh, opens it up for all varieties of Saki Rasa and and Madhurya Rasa. We could have kept it because it also applies to to the Priyanarma Sakas. But anyway, we broadened it like this a little bit. Uh, when Bodhayan Maharaj is the successor of of Bhaktivedanta uh, Puri Goswami Maharaj visited with me uh, once, Audarya, he noted that and he said, 
I would like I would like to change that song like that. He said, but they would never allow me to, to do that. It's a Mahajan song. They would never the other god brothers and so forth. You cannot change a Mahajan song. He was appreciating the liberty that I took hmm, as a guru to to do that and, and at that time was early on in his um, establishing himself at Purigoswami Mars's request to be the successor of the uh, of the mission and so he had amidst all of his god brothers he was sometimes being checked and in terms of being too innovative uh, and so forth so <laughs> so um, at any rate um, we sing that song and um, then uh, we don't sing the Johnny Gani Chakpapani for reasons that I've explained. Um, and the Radha Sabha, I began singing that. I, I have created my own melody for it, you may have noticed, which musicians may not like, I don't know. But it, I created it myself spontaneously. Um, I didn't try to create it, but it spontaneously came. So I, 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 I like it. And um, and it um, it is a song, of course, glorifying um, Radha, written by Rupa Goswami, and it's a um, uh, thereby a song that uh, glorifies the, the the Shakti of Bhagwan, and Brinda Devi is is a similar uh, Shakti of Bhagwan, and um, so it's kind of in that uh, that uh, that spirit. Um, I think that can be um, uh, developed a little bit also in terms of some things that Vishwanath uh, um, Thakur said about the Shakti uh, Tattva, and this is of course Urjabrata Shakti. Rata month, hmm? the Damodar month. Um, but um, I'll stop with with that in terms of an answer uh, to your to your question. Yes. I had a question about um, so the eternal associates of Krishna in Vrindavan say, for instance, when the manifest pastimes are going on in the material world eternally in one universe or another. So, for instance, like Srimati Radharani, Sridham, Balaram, they're in Goloka, they're in the material world also like that. And I was reading in Ragbarma Chandrika also that each pastime, each manifest pastime is eternally going on. Like it's starting and then it goes to the next. Yeah. Like that. So it seems like they're in like multiple, many places at one time. And so I was just wondering about the psychology of that. Yes. Um, it's multidimensional. Um, the, uh, the Leela and the um, realm in which beyond time and space that uh, Leela manifests in in the uh, Prakat Leela in this world the Leela is is 
it was saying when in Rome there was a Roman. So within time and space, when within time and space, act like they were within time and space. And so the Leela appears more um, the way things happen in this world. Like it started here, went through, and it ended here. Hmm? That's how it, what the appearance is, right? Which is how things work in this world. But um, in the unmanifest world where the Leela is always going on, every Leela is going on at all times in what we call Prakashas. The term has been used, Prakash. And an example of this in the worldly Leela, to help us appreciate, is sometimes invoked, and, and that is in Dwaraka, when Narada went to see Krishna, and he was marrying 16,000 queens, and he went into one palace, and there Krishna was marrying Rukmini, and and there were all the relatives and assembled and so forth. And then he went to the next palace, Satyabhama, and the wedding was going on, and all the relatives were there. And then he went to the next palace, another queen, and all the relatives were there. And it was a little different in each place because the queen was different in each place. And but they were all there. So all these were either different prakashas. They're all happening simultaneously. You, you, and you had the power, if you like, not to go into one, to go into another. They're all happening. Hmm? And all the inhabitants, all the participants, each think that they're in each one of them and without thinking they're in any other one of them at the same time. So when all the relatives are going and attending the ceremony for... Or actually, I don't think it was the wedding ceremony per se, uh, but just a daily activity in the palace or something like that. So anyway, whoever was there, maybe it was a wedding, I can't remember, but whoever was, whatever was going on, whoever was there, they were everywhere, and nobody knew they were anywhere but there, and they all knew that they were each in every place at the same time. So it it's a, also a way of saying to us that 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 the when you get beyond time and space, things function differently, and so don't try to confine it and make it you know, linear and so forth. Oh yes by appearance, for the most part, unless you're a Narada going to the different Prakashas, then the Leela on Earth seems to have a beginning and an end, and the Poganda Leela seems to end, the Kishore Leela begins. So, But they're all going on. It's all going on somewhere, right? And in, in its Bhakti Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami addresses this this point directly with regard to the, how the Leela is taking place in Goloka and how it manifests here. Hmm? Does it manifest in both places at the same time? And while it's manifesting here, those who are participating in it, Nanda, for example, Yashoda, Sridham, they don't know that they're also there. And then when they're there, they don't know that they're also here. Hmm? So this is this is the mastery of what we sometimes refer to as, as Yoga Maya also. She's got some real magic that uh, she performs kind of a, enlightening form of delusion that they they can 
that somehow they can remember and not remember in, in different uh, uh, sections of the Leela at the same time. Uh, uh, Krishna is everywhere. His devotees are everywhere. He is. Each Leela is, each aspect of each Leela is eternally existing. They're all participating. Um, so, um, it's a pretty extraordinary place, even even Golok, which is human-like, uh, and so forth, um, um, which it's just just I'm just going to mention this. It just happened to be on my mind, but uh, someone had uh, I had mentioned on a on the in a, in a conversation on the internet that I was invited to make a comment was this tired topic about what is the origin of the jivas you know and so forth and how they some people think they fell from this leela to the material world so i had i had this quote of Prabhupada where Prabhupada said originally we were with krishna hmm? uh, just like originally you're with your uh, your mother by being in the womb, hmm? and so we were in susupti within the uh, which it was in, within Maha, within Mahavishnu, and so we were with Krishna, and then we we came from there. Hmm? In that sense, we were originally with Krishna. So it's a nice explanation that happens to conform. With uh, the, the Siddhanta and the previous Acharyas and all the texts, which say that the, the conditioned material souls have their origins in Mahavishnu, hmm, who expands the world and then becomes many, um, and so forth. And these world cycles have no beginning. The begin, they end. The begin, end. There's no beginning to that, right? So I thought we said, there's a nice explanation of Prabhupada that conforms with. So you can look at all of his statements about and take it back to this. I thought very helpful. <laughs> but again, it's it's a real fault of mine to think that unreasonable people will listen to reason. Hmm? So um, this 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 one fellow said that oh he, he's just a mental speculator. Hmm? Yeah, because before we were in the Susupti in Vishnu, we uh, were taken. We're, 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 we left Krishna Leela, hmm? and then we were placed by Krishna in Susupti, and he left that part out. You know, he shouldn't speculate like this. I was quite kind of amused in one sense because. There is a more speculative statement that you could find any, anywhere. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that could possibly support that scripturally, you know, no matter how you stretch the words. Hmm? And so I kind of uh, kind of chuckled, and I said, and you're accusing me of mental speculation. Could you maybe could try to support this? But besides that, the implications of this are very obvious. Which is, which are, that there are how many how many jivas, conditioned souls are materially conditioned soul jivas are there? 
course, the answer is there's an infinite number, infinite number of jivas. Hmm? You're getting the picture here, right? That means an infinite number of jivas who were in all these wonderful, extraordinary leelas with the all-attractive person who they spent, uh, whatever, they were the all-attractive person uh, who, who they loved to the exclusion of anything else. They don't know anything else. There is nothing else to know there and to love. They're fully invested with their will. They're willfully serving him because he, and he's all attractive. So if you place your will to, to, to love and repose it in someone that's all attractive, whose attraction never decreases, is always increasing. Hmm? Well, there's not much scope for deciding this is boring or you know it, it's, this isn't working. Uh, uh, why can't I be in his position? Your position is desired by him. Hmm? Krishna's Krishna's feels that my, the sadhu's heart is my heart. My he's living again to understand rasa. He is living as Rasaraj to serve his devotees. That he's existing for that purpose. And with regard to the Paramatma, incidentally, um, Jiva Goswami begins his Paramatma Sandarbha by saying there are three manifestations of the Paramatma: the Mahavishnu, the Garbha Daksha Vishnu, the Shura Daksha Vishnu, and they manifest out of bhakti, hmm? Hmm? as Bhagwan does. Hmm? As Bhagawan's form corresponds with bhakti, so you can't say which comes first, Krishna's form or the bhakti. You can look at it from different sides. Hmm? Krishna has shakti. Hmm? That would be one way of looking at it. Unlimited. He has a sarup shakti, hmm? or you can say the sarup shakti create has a has a form that it, that it creates, so to speak, right? The form of Krishna corresponds with the love that the Srupa Shakti is an uh, expression of. Um, So, that doesn't mean God is impersonal Brahman to start with. No, that's a deluded form. Hmm? It's not that there's Radha and Krishna, there's never just Krishna or just Radha, right? So they're they're combined. Rasa Vaisaha, God is Rasa. So there's two. So, at any rate, this um, all-attractive person, right, who you've invested your your uh, loving capacity in, is ever fresh and new and charming and so forth. But unlimited, an infinite number of jivas have are falling out of that place like rain, like rain <laughs> from the sky. It's called Mukti, you know, it's called Prem. It's a place you, it's very, very few people can go there. Muktanam apisidhanam, right? Kaschidyatadisidaya, it's very difficult to to go there. We'll go, you'll go, but we're the few, the chosen few. <laughs> so, but it's very rare to attain Mukti, but but they fall out of there by the millions, by the by the zillions, by, by in an infinite, infinite number. Hmm? You might think that was more overtly described somehow in, in the scripture and then the, 
the 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 prob- logical and philosophical problems with it were, were were resolved at some length. You might think maybe that would be resolved in the some sandarbas where he labors hard to resolve all the contradictions and the Jiva Goswami and so forth and, and serves it that way as the tattva acharya. I mean, it's like, I mean, how how wrong-headed of an idea could you could you possibly have? Hmm? Every every microbe and. The, the, you know, just if you just say there was one jiva that fell in every universe, well, the <laughs> universes coming from the portholes of Mahavishnu, you know, <laughs> what to speak of every jiva in every in every universe? You know? I mean, there's more jivas in micro bodies on the end of my finger than, than you could count in 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 in, in, in a million lifetimes, and that they're, they're raining out of they're just like pouring out of Goloka. And he's and he's all attractive. <laughs> There's no problem. You don't see any problem there. You don't see. This is this is where faith becomes blind, worse than blind. Innocent blind faith is not a bad thing. It can be quite good. Innocent blind faith. You don't have to be a big intellectual or something. But if reasoning, the opportunity comes through scriptural reasoning to strengthen your faith. With that reasoning, hmm? even while it appears to challenge the faith, because tender faith means that there will be conceptions that aren't clear, hmm? that we're clinging to, that we're going to have clarified, and oh, that's going to maybe make challenge us. We we grow by being challenged, right? So our faith is. I, I thought it was like this. No, it's not. Oh, uh. and then you, then you grow to understand it, and, and but that's a challenge. Hmm? So that's why we, we we're asked that we're told, as we were speaking the other day, that that Rupa Goswami said association should be with advanced. We should seek association with advanced bodies that will be challenged. They're not there just to pat us on the back, but to help us challenge our understanding, and then we have to you know grow and accommodate and so forth. Um, uh, and of course, we, we we may go at a slower pace. We ask questions. Fine, you're going too fast, Swami. That's my head spinning. Okay, okay, we slow it down. But in principle, hmm, this is the, the idea. By good association, we can we grow. We can refine our understanding. Our faith will be tender, and that means our conceptions will be not crystal clear on everything. So, room for improving them. Hmm. So. Um, um, so, so this is the this is anyway this is the purpose of the the, uh, the sadhu, uh, and so we we have tender faith. It's kind of like a, kind of like a blind faith. Panchatattva was talking about it on the phone call. We just followed, you know. We, we say okay, so blind faith, innocent, it can be good. It, it could be bad, but you could be lucky, and it could be someone like a Prabhupada that you had faith in. Like, oh, it works pretty good. You're lucky, you know. You have blind faith. You don't know what he's talking about, but he, you like him, and so. You, <laughs> You, you know, you get some general idea, and 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 okay, you repose your play, faith in a good, good place. Um, but when the opportunity presents itself to, re, as I say, to refine that faith through scriptural reasoning and so on, then it's a little challenging. Hmm? But it, it's it's done with affection. Hmm? Even when I discuss on these forums, I'm very kind and very I'm very 
polite and I try to be humble and, and not as I know how big everybody's ego is on there. <laughs> so I try to be very very small and naked. Nice point. Please think about it like this. Consider this. Please consider. You know, this might be a way to look at it. Till I lose my patience sometimes. You know, <laughs> I think I've had enough. Of, but which is the point I've reached on this particular discussion. But uh, but but at any rate, um, if the opportunity presents itself like this, and then we resist it, argue against it, and fight against it. Hmm? Sorry, a little bit. You're being challenged. You want to challenge, but then you know. But if you keep it up and you and you just dismiss the logic, hmm? I don't care. Prabhupada said this. I don't care. Now the logic of the scripture doesn't support that. Maybe you need to put these two things together and then now think about what Prabhupada said and. How could he say something maybe they didn't support? Let's see how we could interpret what he said that supports what the scripture wouldn't that be yeah, that's what you gotta do, right? But if if you just ignore that exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Argue against it, which is blurting out the same thing, you know. We were told that there's now a a robot book distributor in the Iskan New Delhi Temple. Mm-hmm. When you come in, there's a robot that comes. Oh, you'd like a book? This is the Bhagavad Gita. Please donate to Radha Recipe. Hi. Whatever it is. Um, we've been replaced. <laughs> Better boil the milk, right? Better write a book. No, we can't catch up with this that quick, right? So, um, so it's a bit robotic, you know. But the, you don't want to be like that. You want to be a thinking devotee. And the opportunity presents itself to be such and grow and this way. But if you anyway, my point is if you if you argue against that and then you you're in a negative position, you had blind faith, instant blind faith. That's good. But if you argue against that, you can what can you can expect next? Hmm? Okay, innocent faith, blind faith. It's okay. The opportunity comes to help it grow and be well-reasoned faith instead of taking advantage of that and undergoing the struggle to grow. Hmm? Like I've said, how do you make steel stronger? You put it in the fire until it's just about to melt and pull it out and cool it off again. Then it's that much harder. Then it can go in the fire again and can take more heat. Hmm? And just about to melt, the blacksmith pulls it out, and it's stronger. Hmm? So we need to take the a tender faith of our heart, and with the heat of intelligence for understanding the scriptural argument, that's how it's to be applied. And this is where reason becomes beautiful, as an attendant of faith, as an assistant of faith, hmm? to make faith well-reasoned, to make faith... St- what's the difference between weak faith and strong faith? It's, it's well-reasoned, therefore it cannot be broken in the face of arguments to the contrary, reasons. Hmm? This is the difference between a, 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 a neophyte and an intermediate devotee. The intermediate devotee is not going to be shaken by arguments, and it, whether they come from outside or just, our, just the feedback of the mind Right? 
So harness the intellect with these types of discussions of scriptural import and so on and so forth. This is like fire. So you you take the soft heart and bring it, and you have to have a good blacksmith to do this, right? Okay, we're going in the fire now. (laughs) And... uh, and Swami says like this. I go back to think about that. I don't know, but I come back with a question and so forth. And and after the, you know, the talk, when you hear he said that, and they say, how do you? So okay, um, with with a good blacksmith, we can do that. And then then the faith can become become stronger. Hmm? And as faith becomes stronger, strengthened by better understanding, practice should become. Better. That's what Rupa Goswami says. The intermediate adhikar, or uh, from an intermediate standard of eligibility to practice, is determined by faith that has been strengthened by the scriptural argument. Hmm. Hmm. So this is for our benefit. But if we have tender faith and the opportunity comes to strengthen the faith, and thus it's challenged hmm? carefully. It requires a doctor. Hmm? requires a blacksmith, right? Who knows? Uh, then we, we undergo the pain, the struggle to grow, you know, a little bit, um, all well and good. But if we resist that, and then we argue against it, so to speak, from our own head, Come up with arguments which, which satisfy us, and in our own minds free us from the struggle to grow, hmm? and we feel comfortable in our ignorance. Hmm? Um, then, what you can expect to come out of that is probably Vaishnava Aparad. Hmm? That's the next thing you hear. You start hearing on the forum. <laughs> And they started offending. So it's 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 very interesting, you know, to see these the, the how this all plays out in in all in this work of trying to do um, like relief work and, and boil the milk and so forth. But it, it you know this is I mean we don't sit around and talk about this fall from Goloka all the time. But it just happened to come up again for the you know and you um, all and I got pulled into it. Um, and Maharaj also, I think he'd been there as as well. Um, but always some new interesting insights <laughs> do come out of it. So this one was just staggering for me. I, I thought, you know, I, I never really, it never really kind of hit me like that. But that's really what they're saying. I don't think it hit them either. Hmm? One fellow was asked that, well, Prabhupada said we never fall. What does it mean? He said it means rarely, because it rarely happens. Well, now, you know, <laughs> that's not what your teaching is saying here because you're saying that everyone fell. That's their origin. That's where they come from. <laughs> everyone fell, as we said earlier. Billions and zillions of them. Hmm? There is an infinite number there and an infinite number have come here. Maybe there's nobody left there. I mean... They keep recycling. Yeah, that's 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 what they that's what they, Sanadi. <laughs> you never stop coming back. You never stop coming back. <laughs> I mean, that, if you read between the lines, if you keep instructing, that's what you find. Never yeah. stop coming back. Sounds like samsara. Right? 
So, just a thought. But but the leelas, of course, it's it's all attractive and and multidimensional and 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 to your point, um, you you could a devotee could find himself absorbed in one aspect of one leela eternally. Hmm? In Embarkasapradaya, they're interested only in one in Saki Bhav at the exclusion of any other Bhav. So they go to a Prakash where there's only Saki Bhav. There's no parental Bhav, there's no assistant of Saki or anything. They're just there. Hmm? There's all kinds of possibilities. Of course, we have our windows of opportunity that are presented to us by Gaudiya Bhaisnavism and our ideals. We should be clear on what, what, what they are hmm? and then take advantage of them. But... Um, yeah, it's a special, a special place. Goloka Kujai, Vaikuntha Kujai. Anyway, just a few thoughts. Yes? I'd like to say that uh, in this particular discussion, some of the things, some of the way that you framed responses has been very dynamic and nourishing that mm. you hadn't done before. So, yes, a lot good comes from these discussions, although it's a struggle. At times, yeah. It's a, it's a struggle. Is this on the Disciples on Facebook? Actually, there are three separate threads simultaneously. Yeah, the fire has sprung up in different forests. Uh, was I invited on this one, and I say, made a few comments, and then a godbrother of ours named Uttama Sloka, he liked some of the things I said, and then he put them on other threads. Stripper Armour said this over here, I wanted to put it over here, then it started going over there. Then another one over here. And so like, Whoa. Yes. Hare Krishna Gurmaj. I had a question. I came across an article yeah. mentioned I sent that to you. Um, it was by Shita Bhakti Vedanta Narayan Maharaj. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was about the inherent um, Shurup of the Jiva. Mm-hmm. And um, he had meant, he'd made like three different points. Um, see if I can remember. One uh, was that um, the jiva has the surup, you know, already. Um, it's not. It doesn't come through association. It's just like a seed is planted in a, you know, different seeds are planted in a bank. They receive the same kind of. Um, they receive water. Um, sunlight and mm-hmm. you know everything, but different you know different um, plants. If they were different seeds, different plants would would come in the same environment. So he's saying that that um, uh, doesn't matter what the environment is, that um, that the individual jivas have. Um, different shapes or different forms. So let's just go for that for a minute. So he's he basically saying every jiva has a seed of being a gopa, a gopi, or um, a servant of Narayan, or Brahma Sayuja. That doesn't sound like a good, too good of a seed, that last one. Um, and then he's saying that the water of bhakti is the same. Hmm? And the water of bhakti is the same 
but because the seeds are all different, so therefore different different plants grow. So if I have different seeds, if I have seed of a jackfruit, a mango, and uh, a peach, then I pour water on them. The water's the same. The reason that they're going to be different is because they're different seeds. That's his argument, right? This is the argument. Now, what this is, is an analogy, right? Analogy is seeks to illustrate a point so that we can get a grip on it, right? But analogies are not proofs of anything. Hmm? And, and uh, they seek to explain something that has to be proven otherwise. Hmm? So I can make up any number of analogies, and they might sound very reasonable. But the question is, are they, is the idea that you're promoting supported in the scripture? So the question would be, where in the scripture does it say that each jiva, let me put it this way, that there are Madhurya jivas, Sakya jivas, Dasya jivas, um, Vatsalya jivas, Shanta jivas, and because Brahma Sayuja is also a form of Mukti, there's Brahma Sayuja jivas. Hmm? Now, have you ever heard, have you heard that the jivas are all equal? How many times? Have you heard that there's a difference that arises by karma? Yes. We're different by karma. There's women, there's men, there's different races and so on and so forth. But that is superficial. But what we have repeatedly heard from the scripture, right, is that the jivas are all equal. Hmm? We, we, we never heard that there are dasya jivas, madhurya jivas, right? Vatsalya jivas. And if there were, there would be a problem because of inequality and some rasas afford more intimacy with God than others. So you have now God has made jivas that are unequal in terms of their prospect. Hmm? This would, the scriptures say hmm, that God is impartial because if he's partial, then there's a fault in God. Just like your your leader, your politician has to be impartial. He has to represent all the people. If he is bought and paid for by lobbying and so forth, then he's, he's compromised, right? Hmm? So God... And this would be Mahavishnu, right? Right. All the jivas come from Mahavishnu. Certainly, Narayan Marsh agrees with that, right? All the Buddha jivas they come from Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is particularly characterized by impartiality. Hmm? The Paramatma is witness, impartial. Krishna is partial to his devotees. Hmm? Paramatma is God. Krishna is something else, right? Hmm? So. He's particularly partial, impartial. Hmm? The Vedanta Sutra, the question is raised. It, karmically speaking, it looks like people are unequal. Some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Some people are born poor. Therefore, God, Brahman, God, 
Paramatma must must be partial. Hmm? And the scriptures reply to that argument. No, God's not in part, not partial. That's that's a fault, obviously. No, he's not. The differences are due to karma, not due to. They're all equal, but they've all acted differently, and so they've gotten different results. Hmm? So the the situation of the jivas is relative to their own choices, hmm? not God's. Hmm? And then the, the scripture says, well, what if? Well, I guess when they first started, then they were all. And he started them on equal, unequal footing. And then the scripture says, no, there's there's no beginning to that. Hmm? Karma is anadi. Worlds are anadi. There is no beginning. Okay. So, we come from Mahavishnu. He's impartial. If he had manifest uh, some Madhurya Rasa souls, some Sakya Rasa souls, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't be partial. He wouldn't be impartial. Right? Secondly, how could he? He's Paramatma. How can Paramatma manifest Imanjari soul? That's Krishna. Paramatma doesn't is not involved in in, in Manjariness <laughs> or Madhuri Rasa or Sakirasa. Hmm? He has nothing to do with that. Hmm? These are aspects of what we call Lila Madhurya, is a quality of Krishna. Prema Madhurya, Prema Madhurya, I should say. Krishna has four qualities. That even Vishnu Narayan doesn't have. Prema Madhurya means he's surrounded by devotees endowed with a special kind of love, the Braj love, particularly the, the Gopi love. Hmm? It's by Pisaki also, it's not there in Vaikuntha. Vatsali also, right? Hmm? So, how is the Paramatma going to manifest Madhurya Jivas? Sakyaras Jeevas. That's a problem. Secondly, if he did, he'd be partial. He can't do it in the first place, according to our teaching. That's not within his purview. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, if he did do it somehow, he'd be partial. Another fault. But the scriptures say that he's not partial. Mm-hmm. So, by saying that each Jeeva has inherently a different atma that that's going to grow into a gopi. Uh, you are you are you are you are making God partial. Hmm? This is a big big problem. Hmm? The scriptures will rail against that. Hmm? Um, and. To take a little further, the idea that the rain, in the analogy, let's just look at the analogy, that the rain is all, well, rain is rain. The seeds are different. Hmm? The fact of the matter is that the rain in this analogy is bhakti, right? Sadhusanga. And all sadhusanga is not the same. Hmm? Therefore, in rain you have Madhurya rain, you have Sakya rain, you have Dasya rain, you have Vatsalya rain. Mantiendas? Uh, this is what you have. <laughs> we have different kinds of rain. That's a fact. Hmm? Because Bhakti is of different types. Hmm? And if Ram Bhakti, if it's raining Ram Bhakti, 
and you get caught in the storm, then, then that's the kind of bhakti that you're going to be affected by. What is the, how do we become who we are, materially speaking? Karnam guna sangasyo sadasad yoni janmasu. You become like that with whom or what you associate. This is, this is the nature of the tatasta, jiva. What it associates with, it becomes like, hmm? materially speaking. You speak, associate with the material energy in a particular way under certain gunas, you're going to become like that. Hmm? If you associate with the spiritual energy, how are you going to do that? Through sadhusanga. It's varied in its form and expression. So you're going to become like that. That's the, that's the idea. Tatasta can exist in either world. Hmm? To exist in either world means to be influenced by or nurtured by that world. Hmm? So we become what we associate with. Hmm? Therefore, throughout the scriptures, in the Govinda Bhasya of, of, of Baladev, in the Sandarbhas, Bhagavatam commentaries, and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, this very question is raised. Rupa Goswami has, describes the Stayibhavs, and he describes something the excellence of Madhurya, and then he poses a question, that if Madhurya, we could argue objectively, brings the greatest, closest intimacy to Bhagavan, then why doesn't everybody take it up? And he says, the reason is because what we take up is determined by who we associate with. And the seed of the bhava that you will get comes from sadhusanga. Now, there's no partiality on God's part here because sadhusanga is a form of bhakti. Bhakti is giving bhakti. Hmm? And wherever bhakti goes, Krishna has to go. So Krishna remains impartial, but bhakti, through his devotees, give Ram bhakti, give Krishna bhakti, give Sakya bhakti, Madhurya bhakti, Vatsalya bhakti. Hmm? And then he goes there as a little boy, as Ram, hmm? as Krishna with a flute, as a cowherd boy. He appears to them. Hmm? All through sadhusanga. Sadhus, Worship Krishna in a particular way? We meet them? Are we not going to be affected by the kind of worship that they're doing? That's what they're going to teach us about even, right? Especially in, you know, in a smaller smaller circle. Hmm? So another problem here is that you know, to say that the, 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 the jiva inherently is unequal, as I said, this is a problem. This is called taratamaya. It's a, it's a doctrine... For example, that you're going to find in the Balabha Sampradaya, you're going to find it in the Madhva Sampradaya. Madhva says there are Rajasic, Tamasic, and Jivic, and Sattvic Jivas. You don't find that very appealing, do you? No Gaudiya Vaishnava will find that appealing. Hmm? And he says only the Sattvic Jivas get liberated. Hmm? The Rajasic and Tamasic ones don't. We don't like that at all. Why? Because it's been instilled within us that souls are equal. Hmm. Now, if we say they're unequal on the other side, start to think about it, you might find a complaint. You might start to complain. If Soja Mukti is a kind of Mukti that you can get from mixed Bhakti, 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 Bhakti with Gyan, then some souls must be destined for it. They must have seeds for it or why they, why they went there. 
What is the? Do you think that Mahaprabhu has given a gift to the world? What's a gift? If you already got it, you already got a seed. And if you got a seed for Dasi Bhakti and Vaikuntha, well, Mahaprabhu's gift doesn't mean much to you because you, who's he going to gift? <laughs> We're coming from the Paramatma. We're getting a gift from Goloka to go there. Hmm? But if you already got Paramatma Bhav, then how you, you know. But, so we don't come with any Bhav, but we become equal and capable of of having uh, our future, so to speak, written on us, you know, nourished in that way by the association. Mahaprabhu came to give the Braj Bhav to people. Hmm? That's what he came to give. An Arbita Charim Charat, Kurni Avatina Kalosamarpaitan, Una Total Rasam Sabhaktisriyam. If it's already there, then there's no meaning to his giving. Well, no, he came to give so that what's in you could come out with that. But, you know, but it's different in everybody. And it's you see how it breaks down. Hmm? So it's an interesting analogy that comes from someone go, wow, that sounds cool. Yeah, that makes sense. But the analogy does not conform. It, it doesn't re- answer to all this scriptural logic, which is not this logic that I have. I mean, it's just, I'm saying putting the scriptures together and saying this is what the scriptures are saying. And there's more that could be said, but I mean, that's a pretty substantial answer to, to begin with um, on that part. Right. And so, I, 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 and, and we have the exact converse. When the argument comes up, Jiva Rupa Goswami says, that according to the associa- association you've had, you're going to get some, some scars for bhakti, hmm? and that's the, going to be the seed of the bhav. Then, you know, you've heard of planting the seed, right? The bhakti lata beach, if it's already in you, then what? Who's planting? Does the guru plant the seed, or is the seed already there? Well, we're told that he gives the seed. Hmm? Uh, in his commentary on Rupa's verse, Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur says, so, to use the fruit example, he said, she says, just like mangoes, jackfruits, um, and other fruits, one will have a taste for one over the other, based on some scars for them. So if you have a some scar for mangoes, then you're going to like them. Hmm? He says, similarly, if you have had association with sadhus in Dasiras or Sakiras in the past, you're going to have a some scar for it. In this life, you're going to find a natural tendency for it rather than another. Hmm? When we say, okay, the reason for the difference between the jivas our vasanas or samskars. That doesn't mean our material samskars. Those are the things we have to do away with. Those don't determine our rasa. Those get in the way of having any rasa. Hmm? So they're bhakti samskars that come from sadhu sangha and different kinds of sadhus will create, uh, plant seeds, so to speak, of, of different sentiments. It's a beautiful idea. So... So then he, uh, he used the example of Murari Gupta that he associated yes. with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he didn't change his, his uh, right because he had that uh, Exa- other one. Exactly. So this example 
doesn't hold up because, first of all, Mahaprabhu did convert some people hmm, from um, one persuasion uh, to, 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 to another. Hmm? But in the case where the bhava, like for example, he went to South India, he stayed at Sri Rangam, he preached to Venkatabhata and his wife and their, their son, Gopal, who became Gopal Bhatta Goswami, and he said to them, you know, uh, you worship Narayan and Lakshmi is the chaste wife of Narayan. Yes, yes. And then he said, I have a question. Why is it that the chaste wife of Narayan Lakshmi wanted to have rasa with Krishna if she's so chaste? And he said, no, 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 Krishna, Narayan, they are the same tattva. This is a different form of God. No problem. Mahaprabhu said, okay, good. My next question is, why she couldn't elope with Krishna? She wanted to. Why she couldn't? And he said, I don't know that. How could you even ask such a question? Who are you? And so this is the way Mahaprabhu converted him. So he converted them from the worship of Lakshmi Narayana to the worship of Radha and Krishna. So why why was he able to do that? Because whatever some scars for bhakti they had, they had not reached a point where they had actually manifest as bhava. And so more powerful samskars could, and Mahabharata was pretty powerful, so could 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 prevail, right? Now in the case of Marari Gupta, what did Ma or not not did he say Marari Gupta? He said Marari Gupta, or did he say the the Balaba, the brother of Rupa Sanatan? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, let's take the case of. Uh, um, Anupam. Hmm. He's the. He's also. I think his name is also Balaba, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the brother of Rupsanatan. The three of them got together. Rupsanatan said we should spend our life worshiping Radha and Krishna, and Anupam agreed. But at night he went to sleep, and he had always been a lifelong devotee of Ram, and he couldn't give up the idea of giving up Ram, right? So he couldn't be changed by the association of Rupa Sanatan. And Mahaprabhu proved that, oh, he said, glorious is that devotee will not give up his Lord, and glorious is the Lord that will not give up his devotee. So, while powerful devotees may convert more as the norm due to their power, if the bhakti is already so developed hmm, that it can't be converted from previous lives. Hmm, that's why it doesn't change. Now you take, and, and he's the brother of Rupa Sanatan. I mean, his whole life he was the devotee of, from childhood of, 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 of Ram. Hmm? He was very de- evolved. Hmm? So Mahaprabhu appreciated. Some Brahmins in South India, he changed. They hadn't when he saw their bhava was fully developed in Ram. He very much appreciated that. Take Hanuman, uh, Gupta. Yes, how is Mahaprabhu going to change Hanuman into? In, <laughs> you get the point. How is Mahaprabhu going to change Hanuman into a Krishna bhakta? I mean, you couldn't get a bigger Ram bhakta, hmm? <laughs> right? 
So the point is, again, over previous lives, they have association. So the scars, the impressions are strong. And if they developed even in the bhava in this lifetime, hmm, then yeah, you're not going to change that. Hmm? So these are these are the exceptions, and that's how they're they're answered. Hmm? And again, you could say it was not by association, but there are many examples that by association this took place, and the scriptures say by association. Hmm? Another point. Um, I think the last one he, he spoke about Gold Kumar, who um, wasn't satisfied with. Um, Different um, association, but he kept going to find his sakyas. Uh, right, right. He went well. That's because obviously he found his guru in Braj. We find at the end of the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Gopagumar explains um, that. Is it what is he, is he that? Uh, uh, his guru was a representative of, of, of Radha and came to him in Braj and through that associate, this is the Sadhu Sangha he got he got, he's a very powerful guru if you read the story he got impressions from him he received the mantra from him he got scar from him uh, for Sakyabhav, hmm, as a Priyanarma Saka. Hmm. This is what this is what he gave to Jana Sharma, his disciple. After Gopal Kumar be- becomes perfect, Radharani asks him, "Go back to Braj. There's a devotee there. I want you to bring him to me." Hmm. So that's who Gopal Kumar is telling his story to. Hmm. His name was Jana Sharma. The end, he becomes a Priyanarma Saka. Just like, just like Upakumar, hmm? yeah, they're both servants of Radharani and and Krishna. Hmm? So, the same bhava that Upakumar got, he gave it came through to his disciple, and he got it from his guru, hmm? and um, and therefore, yes, you know, he wasn't satisfied with. Uh, this loka, that loka, Brahma loka. He didn't want to go to Sayuja. He got to Baikuntha and he had the seed already of another kind of bhakti by association. He got it in Braj hmm? from a Braj bhakta. So how is he going to be happy in Baikuntha? Hmm? He's not by that association. In wise devotees like Narada and Uddhava could see, oh, he's, and even Narayan could see, oh, he's destined for Braj, this guy. He's got that kind of samskar. Hmm? And it's powerful. I mean, he was pretty good in what he did, <laughs> right? And so that 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 is how it played out. Hmm? So does that help? I mean, he probably quotes some verses in there. I read that. That's a convers. That's a, a that's a that's an old story. Yeah, it's supposed to be a conversation that took place in Gaudiya Math between great devotees, and it's been retold third or fourth hand and who knows what they actually said and, and some verses are cited and some of the verses are cited they don't have the implications that they're said to have so but that helps right
No, it's too late for that. One thing is, you know, I don't mean to. I'm not here to criticize Bhaktivedanta much. Why he emphasized like that, I can only conjecture. But my conjecture is that, um, you know, he was speaking about Rag Bhakti, and and some of his disciples started to associate in circles that that talk about Rag Bhakti that he didn't approve of. And um, this was uh, one of the ways uh, of kind of dismissing that by going there you will get the rock which is already there in you. Which was started by Bhakti Vinod because people were saying, you got to come here and drink my urine because I come from the family of Nityananda and you can only get the bhav from me, you know. And so, and Bhaktivinoda said, "Forget these people; it's already in you. Just chant Hare Krishna; it'll come out." You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. What is in the jiva is some inherent affinity for the Paramatma, which is our source. Mm-hmm. There's some inherent kind of affinity. That's where we always we, we look for our source. You know, we we we, we, we it's natural. It's, we have a connection with our source, but our source is the Paramatma. Mm-hmm. But we're fortunate that Mahaprabhu is coming and giving a blessing that we can go beyond our source, so to speak, to the source of our source. Mm-hmm. Yes? Um, I wanted a little clarification on the uh, Bhavs in terms of um, the Madhurya Bhav and the Sakya Bhavs and the Sakya Bhav. And um, so I was wondering if that it doesn't, if someone's kind of just sort of learning and starting and they haven't developed um, any kind of necessary bhav, does it even matter in a sense what, what sort of, um, you know, group and sadhusanga you're having in terms of, uh, is, that, is that something that comes later or is... Or is it depends from previous lifetime, this life, everybody's not the same. Hmm? But um, it's probably good to think that you're in the group that you're supposed to be in. By Krishna's arrangement, but but it doesn't matter in another sense because in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is saturated with Madhurya Rasa, and there's also a subcurrent of of, of Sakya Rasa in there. So really, uh, like Jiva Dharma, Bhaktivedanta gives the example: one guru, two disciples. One was just ended up with a disposition or or. A liking for Sakya Rasa, another for Madhurya Rasa. These are the two currents. So anybody who is really a, a qualified devotee can help us in either. So we will see in time. If you don't know, then 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 you're going to get a samskar for uh, in, in this life that's going to help you know in, in that from your association. If you're in association where the prominent samskar is is something, and you feel the last day at Sakya and you feel affinity for Madhurya, then, then you know, there's some previous um, uh, association has brought that about, and then as it comes to the surface, that will be tendered to and so forth. The thing to do is to, is, is to understand the tattva, the philosophy, and uh, the more you do that gradually, then you become more focused, and then you want to know about, hmm, like I say, Madhurya Ras, who knows, you don't even know what it means necessarily, it's not like, you know, what does it mean to be a manjari? What does it mean to be... So, 
there are books that help us get clarification in that. And what will happen is we'll have a natural affinity, and then those books will be um, uh, of of interest to us at a certain at a certain point. But yeah, but in any 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 sangha of good uh, association, learned devotees, advanced devotees, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then either of these. But some maybe like Prabhupada was prominently uh, in Sakyarasa, and so many of his disciples have some affinity for that. And you find you find people they come with Krishna Balaram deities, like you guys came out. You know, so you gotta think maybe they came here for a reason. You know, <laughs> uh, so mm, mm. yeah. Thank you. And they're very nice, Krishna and Balaram. So. Uh, we worship Robin Krishna also. <laughs> All right, I think we talked a long time. What is the time? It's about half three. Yeah, so we'll stop there. Sisi Gwaradamana Vakijai, Gwaradamana Vakijai, Gwaradamana Vakijai, Gwaradamana Vakijai, Gwaradamana Vakijai,